1: Hi, ladies. Welcome to Open My Eyes. I'm Lori Wilburn. Psalm 1 says, I love the Lord because He hears my voice and my supplications. Have you lost hope that God hears and answers prayer? Perhaps you feel that the gates of heaven are closed to your cries. The enemy of our souls will always harass us to make us believe that our prayers are not being heard. But prayer is one of our greatest spiritual weapons in the Christian life. Remember, prayer is not to twist God's arm to get what we want. Rather, prayer is the means to transform our desires to God's will. E.M. Bounds said, Prayer honors God, acknowledges His being, exalts His power, and secures His aid. Be encouraged. When our hearts are set on the will of God, He hears your voice and He will answer. To learn more, visit my blog at corechurchla.org.
2: Isn't it wonderful when God reaches out and He's gracious to us when we're guilty as a dog? Have you not been guilty as a dog?
0: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, Log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Know this, God never
2: forgets. And if we're not willing as Christians to truly repent of what we've done and how we choose to live, you know, if we've got an area of unrepentant sin in our life, then guess what? You will reap what you have sown. God can forgive us. And sometimes God will pull away that sowing. But if if we don't, it will come on us. And it might not be immediately, but it will happen eventually. Yes, God is able to make all things work according to his perfect plan and purpose for our lives. He doesn't, I repeat, God doesn't. Need our help. I wonder how many times in our lives that we have failed to see God's hand move, all because we jumped the gun, we made something happen on our own, we refinanced our debt over a longer period of time instead of learning the lesson of stewardship. See. People, I've seen people have like, okay, they owe this debt, so they'll refinance their house, and then they'll take this massive credit card debt, 15, 20 grand credit card debt, and they'll put it back into the loan of the house, and they'll pay off their car and all this, and they'll be completely debt-free, they'll pay off all their bills, they put it back into a 30-year loan, so your credit card bill that should have been paid off in a year is now back into a 30-year loan, and then... Because they never learned the lesson of stewardship, a year later, 24 months later, their credit card debt's all back up again, and they've got other payments, and, and they're back in debt again. Why? Because you didn't learn stewardship. So therefore, you're right back in the same place that you were before. Or how many after you know, a failed relationship have jumped right back into another relationship? So you were dating someone, That was outside of God's will for you in the first place. And then when that thing blew up, you just went back into another relationship. All in the name of, I'm sick and tired of being single. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of waiting. Instead of waiting and trusting that God has a plan for your life. Listen, have you ever thought that maybe the reason that you're in this season of life that you're to remain single for a little bit, to really grow as the person that God desires you to be? See, maybe you're the problem. See, God before, <laughs> it's like no one wants to hear that. It's like, hey, I didn't come to church to hear that. But wait a second, what if, what if you're the one that needs to be changed? Like, What if God's got the perfect prince for you or the perfect princess for you, and the problem is you? So you have to be, you know, those rough edges have to be taken off of you so that you don't destroy the person that God's trying to give you. See, so so maybe there, it's just for a reason, for a season that you are to be single here so that you become who God who desires you to be for the mate that he desires you to have remember god's promise to us in jeremiah 29 11 says for i i know the plans that i have for you declares the lord and his plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope so look nobody loves us more than god loves Okay, your mom, your dad, you know, whoever, your best friend, you know, your bestie, you know, whatever, your spouse, nobody loves you as much as God loves you. So he wants the best for you. So it's like we have to somewhere come to grips with daddy knows best. So I therefore have to just say, Lord, i I need to trust you in this. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm frustrated. But, Lord, I have to trust that you have my best interest. Therefore, I'm going to wait on you. Oh, man. Okay, that's when you're going to speed things up. Because you're never going to outdo the Lord. If you're going to manipulate, 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 manipulate. It's like God's just like, okay, well, I'll, I'll check back with you in a year. Okay, all right. It comes back next year oh yeah you're still manipulating okay right. right i'll see you next year it's like oh my goodness i mean does that not just hit you like a like a two by four in the face like maybe i need to just back off right now and maybe i don't have to wait but getting back to jacob picking up in genesis chapter 29 seven years had went by He just seemed like a few days for my love for Rachel. And Jacob, man, he's ready for the wedding of his dreams. And all he got was a good taste of reaping what he has sown. As the deceiver got deceived. I think he had a little too much to drink on his wedding night, like I said before. And his new father-in-law does the old switcheroo. And because of a deceiving sister, and let's not let Leah off the hook here. When daddy came to her and said, hey, I'm going to do this whole thing. So you want a husband? "Uh, Yeah, I want a husband. No one likes me. No one looks at me. It's like, I'll take a husband. I want a husband. I want a husband. Okay. So it's like she's a deceiving dog, just like her dad. Because she knows that Jacob loves Rachel. He, she knows all, how many times did her little sister Rachel, oh, can you be able to get him married, get him married, get him married. And also, I mean, she knew everything. She went along with it. She went into the dark tent. They didn't have electricity back there. There wasn't LED lights, right? Okay, so you know they're all congressional I'm married, man. Give me some more of that wine. I'm married, I'm married, okay. Hey, buddy, why don't you go in? I'm going in. I'm going in, man. This is like I'm going in, and it's like he gets in that tent, you know. And it's this pitch black in there. It's like, hey, sweetie pie, where are you? Over here. <laughs> And he crawled under the covers, you know. There was a he got the bear woman. Oh man, he's just like, oh, he's loving life. And they did it. The tango went down. It all happened. And he's just like, this is the best day of my life. Remember how she was described? Her eyes were weak. Troopy face. <laughs> Rachel was Beautiful in form, body, and face. Well, Jacob wakes up the next morning, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's the best day of my life. Oh, it's just like, oh, it's so good. Oh, oh my goodness. It's like, I mean, it's like that one just, whoa. I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, what are you doing in my bed? As Leah looks over, Hi, Sugar Muffin. (laughs) I'm your wife. (laughs) It's like, no. Oh, yes, I just gave my virginity to you. I'm your wife. Oh, man, he races out of that tent. I hope he had clothes on at that point, okay? He frantically runs over to Laban in verse 25. You, you have deceived me. This is the pot calling the kettle black. Jacob couldn't believe it. How could this happen? You know, our sin always looks as bad on us as when it happens to us. It's like, you know, it never never seems as bad when it's someone, I mean, it's like, but when it happens to us, It's like when you steal something. You know, when you're younger and you steal stuff, I I say, man, it's great. It's the greatest thing ever. I didn't have to pay for it. I got something really cool. I just snagged it. Five-finger discount. Boom. I just bagged it. And then you get older, and you have stuff you paid your hard money for, and someone steals it, and you're like, I can't believe it. How could someone steal that from me? Ah, dog. Yeah, it always... Looks worse when it's on us, the very same thing we've done to other people. Jacob was a player, but the player just got played. You have met your match, young man, Uncle Laban, and he puts you in the club. And he tells him, all right, well, listen, son, go into Leah, make her your wife for a week. Then I'll give you Rachel the next week. I mean, this kid's desperate. Okay, whatever. But next week, he got Rachel. Okay, so he had the honeymoon of his dreams the next week. But know this. God never condoned multiple wives. Now he's got two wives. He only wanted one wife. Now he's got two wives. In fact, God condemns having more than one wife. And everyone in the Bible that did it anyway always ended up paying a huge price for it. Consider David, one of the greatest kings that ever Israel ever knew. It's like, you know, he was a giant slayer. David, the psalmist, had multiple wives. See, David blew off what God said. See, God said in Deuteronomy 17, 17, do not multiply wives. And he rejected what God said. And David reaped all kinds of havoc in his home because he didn't listen to that. Oh, it all seemed fine at first. He's got this wife. Oh, you're pretty sweet. And I got my Tuesday wife. I got my Wednesday wife. I got my Thursday wife. I got my Friday wife. I I mean, he just had wives coming out of his ears. And so, yeah, he was a man that was, you know, uh, sexually fulfilled. But boy, did it come back and sting him because What do you think those wives were doing jockeying for position with David? You think there was any catfights in there with those wives? You know, all trying to find favoritism with him, popping out babies. All the babies jealous of the other kids. Who's one that's going to be the favor of, you know, wonderful King David? You know, it's like, oh, my goodness. And then as those kids got older, you had one wife that had a son that took advantage of another wife's daughter and molested her. And then that another son from that wife came and killed that son for what he had did to his sister. It was his half-sister, but that was his full sister, so he killed him. Then there was one that raised up and caused a mutiny in David's life, tried to take over the kingdom. I mean, oh, there was a bunch of stuff happening in his home. He was not a happy camper at all with his home life. Today we see the beginning of a family being completely ripped apart by Uncle Laban. I wonder what kind of relationship that Leah, the older sister, and Rachel had before Jacob ever came on the scene. Leah was older I wonder, you know, we don't know how much older. We don't know if she was two years older, five years older, six years older, ten years older. We don't know. Maybe she was playing little mommy when Rachel was born. Oh, well, let me hold the baby. I'll take care of her. Let me change your diaper, you know. you know. Let me take her. Maybe they were so close while they were growing up. Yet as maybe when they became young women, maybe some strife started happening there. Why? Well, again, the Bible tells us that Rachel was extremely beautiful, and Leah she had a droopy, droopy face. Maybe you know, uh, it, it just it, it just caused a little rift, you know. There, you know, I'm sure she didn't get near the attention from the other boys as her sister Rachel was always getting. So that caused some strife, you know. You could hear relatives say, "Oh, Rachel, you are so cute." And maybe they looked at Leah. Leah, you sweep the floor so wonderfully, you know. We're not told exactly. And what did Laban do with Rachel on the wedding night? I mean, did he tie her up and lock her in the closet? I mean, because, you know, that didn't go down well. Because, I mean, here's Leah. She's having her whole wedding. Then all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to go with my husband. Uh, No, here, come over here. I mean, how did he tie her up? I mean, she couldn't have went... Down easy with that. And I'll tell you what, that was a rough night for Rachel. I bet she cried all night long. No, not her dog sister. Her dog sister, how could you do that? Talk about the biggest betrayal you could ever do. You're my sister, and you went in and slept with my husband as it was me? Oh, you tell me that there's not a riff in this family now? Oh, my goodness. One thing for sure, if there was no jealousy before... Oh, it's a wide open can of jealousy now. And according to the dictionary, to be jealous means to be intolerant of rivalry, which of course can leave us hostile towards that person, hostile towards them. Proverbs twenty-seven four says, "Wrath is a fierce as anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy?" One thing about anger, it can come up and like get mad about something, and then you, you you blow it off and okay, all right, I'm over it now. Okay, it happens. You get mad about something, something happens, you know, then okay, it's over. Jealousy, though, oh, that thing could sit in you for a long time. Someone gets raised up in a job that you should have had. You were more qualified for it, but they were more uh, likable, and so they got your job. Now you go to work. Now you have to answer to that person. It It just eats on you every day. Every day it eats on you. You go to bed at night, it eats on you. Man, you're telling me this isn't something. You stole my husband you stinking wench. How could you do that to me? It's one thing if dad said it, why did you go along with it? Oh man, I'll tell you what, this is something that this is not going to get over with ever. They're never going to get over this. I wonder if Laban thought, I'll knock out two birds with one stone. I can get poor Leah a husband because you know no one's going to marry her and I'll get seven more years of free labor out of Jacob. And he's like, hey man, this is a great deal for me. But what about the repercussions on your daughters? How could you do this to your daughters? Well, he didn't do Leah and Rachel any favors whatsoever. All Laban did was sow the fruit of jealousy in his family that will never end. And this was so, think about how unfair it was to Leah. Oh, at first she's thinking like, oh, I'm going to give me a husband. I give me a husband. I'm going to get married. You know, it's like, Leah This is the worst thing that could have happened to you. How unfair. Jacob didn't want anything to do with Leah, and it's not his fault. He never wanted Leah. He never wanted her. He didn't want her. But now he's reaping what he sowed, and he's married to Leah also. And even worse, Leah is married to a man who loves another woman. It's like, do you really want a husband that bad? He loves your younger sister. She's always stole the spotlight from you growing up. Could you imagine just how Leah must have felt? It's like, but let's understand, Leah was guilty of sin. She should have never went in there and climbed under those covers. She went along with it. She is guilty as a dog. But yet God was gracious to her. Isn't it wonderful when God reaches out and he's gracious to us when we're guilty as a dog? Have you not been guilty as a dog? I've been guilty as a dog before. And yet when God reaches out and he loves us instead of kicking us through the goalposts of life, okay? Let me just boot you through the goalposts of life because of what you did. But God was gracious and he saw the pain that Leah was in because it's like it didn't work like she thought. In her little fantasy mind, oh, well, he's just going to love me, and I'm going to be the favorite wife. That's like, ah, not so much, okay? Genesis 29, 31 says, Now the Lord saw Leah was unloved, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So there's a great honor of bearing children for your husband in this day. But... God saw that she was unloved in the New American Standard. And the King James Bible says that she was hated. See, the original Hebrew word there, it means that she was an enemy and a foe. That's how your husband looks at you, Leah. You're an enemy. You're a foe of mine. I can't believe you did this because it's one thing that your dad is a stinking dog, but you went along with it. So how does her husband look at her? You're an enemy to me. Wow. Verse 30 says that Jacob loved Rachel more. So God opened Leah's womb. So let's pick up in chapter 29, verse 32, it says, And Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has seen my affliction. See, this has become an affliction. She's an enemy to her husband. Surely now my husband will love me. I've given him a son that that my sister couldn't do. So he's going to have a change of heart towards me now. Verse 33. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved. See, it didn't work. The first son didn't work. Didn't work. I'm still unloved. He has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. Verse 34. And she conceived again and bore another son and said now this time my husband he'll become attached to me will, will, will he like me and start treating me like an enemy will he even just be social with me because I have borne him three sons therefore she named him Levi verse 35 and she conceived again and bore a son and said this time I will just praise the Lord therefore she named him Judah then she stopped bearing she's like Maybe the first son, he'll love me. The second son, will he love me? The third son, will he just, will he even like me? Will he even look at me? Will he even sit at the same table with me? Uh, The fourth son, I I just need to praise the Lord. Understand, in this culture, again, to bear sons was a great honor. And Leah becomes a baby making machine. She's like Octomom. She's just pumping the babies out. Unlike Rachel, the beautiful one who's not been able to conceive and have children. Yet, did that start Jacob loving Leah more? No, nah, not at all. Not at all. Maybe there's someone here who's continued pursuing a long-time crush or something that's outside of God's will, and you think you love them if it's a crush, yet they're not interested in you. But you keep pursuing them. You keep pursuing them. You keep praying about them. You keep, it's like they're not interested in you. But what if, you know, it's like, what if you just let it go? Like, stop it already. It's like, how long have you pursued? Get over it. Let it go. They don't want you. Sometimes the worst thing you could get in life is exactly what you want. See, Leah wanted to be married just like every other girl wants to be married. She took her sister's husband. Sometimes you could get what you want. And it's like it could be the worst thing. You might win them, but what if you, in the end, end up in the same boat as Leah? Oh, you're married. Oh, you wanted to get married. Oh, you got married. You hooked your man. You manipulated. You did whatever it took. Or woman, whatever. You got the wife and everything. But they don't love you. You're unloved. Leah got the husband, but he didn't love her. Her whole life was filled with seeking acceptance. Let me bear another son, another son, another son. Maybe my husband will love me. If that describes anyone here for anything, a relationship or anything else that you're seeking after, may I urge you, let it go. Wait on the Lord. Seek his will over your own. Ask for the right thing from God. Not what you want, but what God wants for you. Because he loves you more than anything. Wait for the person or the thing that God has, not what you want. He says in Proverbs 3, 5, he says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will put you on a path of
0: joy. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app Or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to PO Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.